the more money I made outside of my job, the more enjoyment I had from it because it's just the freedom of having options. The fact that you don't have to work anymore and you don't have to go in every single day and you don't feel forced to do anything, you just inevitably enjoy what you're doing much more. Welcome to Surgeon Syndicate. If you're paying attention, you know that you only make money when you work. It might be great money, but it's dependent on you. The information on this podcast will help you solve that. We interview experts and provide analysis into financial freedom through commercial real estate. Why? To help physicians like you thrive. Let's dive in. Welcome to Surgeon Syndicate. This is your host, Mike McManus, and we are here today with Josh Condado and Colin Davis, his partner. Josh is a CRNA who realized that money strictly tied to time is not how he wanted to spend the rest of his life. And once he started in real estate investing, he saw how the compound effect of money could help him exit his W-2 role in the hospital. Welcome, Josh, and welcome, Colin. How's it going? Thank you, sir. So tell us a little bit more about your background and what led you to real estate investing. We'll let you go ahead and start, Josh. Yeah, so I'm a CRNA. I've been doing that for about five years. I have a cousin who's been investing in real estate for little bit longer than me. We started about four years ago, actually investing. We talked about it for about a year before we actually got into it. And money was kind of the first barrier as it is to most people. So me and Colin, we've been talking about it for a little while and realized that we both had a little bit of money, not enough to do our own deals, but if we brought it together, we had enough to do a deal. So after talking about it for a really long time, probably a year, at least maybe two years, I don't know. We ended up buying our first property and caught the bug and we bought... I don't know how many we've gone through, probably 10 or 12 at this point, but just, yeah, caught the bug, like to see how our money can work for us, just being tied to an hourly wage. That's awesome. So Colin, a little bit on your background. Yeah. Did ER nursing for about 10 or 12 years up until December of 2021. And then at that time, just took a break from nursing and started just doing some construction work. I live in Los Angeles. I was just working around here. And then later that year, the opportunity presented itself to manage the 35-unit apartment building I live in. And my wife, Jen, and I, who is Josh's sister and our other business partner, her and I had been managing the portfolio for all-day investments. So we had some experience with property management. So at that point, we decided we'd take that. So that kind of replaced my wife's nursing salary and was able to give us the time to just focus on property management and real estate full-time. So like kind of same background into real estate as Josh as far as timeline and what we've been doing. But then the difference being that we've been handling more of the operation sides of things in terms of management. All right. What's awesome about this show and might make it less awesome is this the first show with more than one guest on at the same time. So we're breaking new ground here and we'll see how I handle it as as the host (laughs) and dishing out the questions. So we'll try to keep it under four hours for you guys. <laughs> There's a yeah, lot of overlap. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, just keep going. We'll make yeah. it a perpetual podcast. Yeah. So <laughs> what's great is that you talked about when you started partnering that it began as saying, well, we didn't have enough money individually. So you pooled money, but also sounds like you pooled talent mm-hmm. that there's a little bit here and you each had done some stuff. Was that part of the conversation? No, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of stumbled into it and realized afterwards. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And I mean, we've partnered on everything that we've done for the most part. I mean, I have 
a duplex, but that doesn't count. <laughs> no, but we partnered on everything together. And like, as we've grown, like a lot of stuff has been new, like, and we've been just learning together. It's a lot more fun learning with somebody else who's just learning right alongside you. That's one of the biggest things that keeps us together in addition to, I don't know, just how fast we've been able to grow with two of us, as opposed to if we had been doing it solo by ourselves. Yeah, just the fun part. My kids are grown up now, but I remember watching One Direction videos with them. <laughs> There's a documentary we must have watched a hundred times, but the whole thing could have been really stressful and it was a lot more fun having some friends to go through the whole thing with. I'd never thought of it that way. The other thing is that often as docs and I think healthcare providers, we feel like we have to know everything. It's kind of like the doctor trap that you're supposed to be the expert. You go to school for a million years before you actually do anything. And somebody holds your hand every little step until you, you're walking enough that you can do it on your own. But as long as you realize where your risk is, is you can kind of come into real estate investing without knowing everything. And you can start small, and you can learn. And I love that, that I'm like, oh, so you guys talked about how you could combine your knowledge base and your skills. And you're like, no, but you figured it out as you went. Yeah. Sure and a lot of docs won't get started because they feel like they don't know enough and get stuck in the analysis paralysis before you move ahead. Does it help having two people to kind of call yourselves out that, okay, we know enough, we got to do something here? Definitely. I would say from my point of view, definitely does just kind of bouncing ideas off each other. And there's a lot of ideas that Colin has come up with that I just don't think that way. And I wouldn't have come up with it. I've come up with a lot of ideas that Colin maybe eventually would have come up with, but <laughs> but we've been able to buy several properties creatively. And I think just with our combined knowledge and learning together, we've been able to bounce ideas off each other and take down some properties that we wouldn't have been able to do, I think, without the ideas going back and forth multiple times to come up with the final plan. Yeah. I think also like just the fact that there's two of us involved, like it expands our network. It doubles our network in some ways. I mean, there's some overlap there as well, but our most recent deal is we were trying to figure out in underwriting it it's a mobile home park we we're trying to figure out how to make the numbers work and how to get it going and then josh was having a conversation with another one of his cousins it was i think over the course of a weekend when we were at a wedding and i was actually there but didn't have the same conversation and he mentioned the seller like staying on as an equity partner and when we plugged that in it kind of like made the numbers work and made the deal work and and i wouldn't have come up with that and so just the fact that he was able to have that conversation and kind of bring that idea, not that it saved the deal, but it just gave us a new avenue to explore, which ended up working out great. And that particular deal he's talking about, we had already been kind of negotiating and going back and forth with the seller for, I want to say three or four months until I had this conversation with my cousin and it gave me the idea to, I guess, offer something else. Um, and I mean, in the end, that's what the seller wanted. And it just took three to four months of no, 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 until I had this idea that came from somebody else who was doing something very similar. And finally, that was yes, that was all he wanted was <laughs> he wanted to have more upside. That's what everybody wants. But <laughs> so the group intelligence thing is awesome. A couple of things I heard out of that is often we get stuck on just price. And we always want to think that the buyer wants the lowest price and the seller wants the highest price and there's nothing else in there. But often there's ways to creatively find a solution that everybody kind of gets what they wanted. And that's what's really fun with commercial real estate. And as you guys just mentioned, by putting your heads together and 
hearing a lot of different ideas, you found something that made it work for everybody. Mm -hmm. Is real estate part of your family, Josh? So I want to say no, because I had very, very little exposure to it growing up. This has just been new in the last probably five years. But my grandpa, he was a commercial broker and he owned like buildings in downtown Dallas and he owned a building in Hong Kong. So it kind of runs in the family, but this was not anything I was really exposed to. So <laughs> there was a generational skip. I guess. Yeah. I wish I was exposed to it earlier. But his parents were actually doing some deals similar to this. And that's for me, at least, that's kind of what piqued my interest. And I think around the same time that his cousin was getting into it with the mobile home parks, his parents were doing little small single family homes. And that's, I think, kind of what got us looking. So it wasn't like something for yeah. him or me in my family that we'd grown up with, but it kind of came internally from the family. That's awesome. Well, my parents were, they were more buying like really, really small properties. Right. In no name towns in Wisconsin. So it was more of like a long-term play. Like in 15 years, we'll have the mortgage paid off and they'll make a thousand bucks a month on the rent. It wasn't so much of like go-getter entrepreneurial real estate investment strategy. It was more just kind of a long-term retirement play. That was much less appealing to me as we've grown the entrepreneurial real estate investing has kind of sparked a fire underneath me a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It's cool that you found it in your family. And I think some people, because if I was listening to this, I'd be like, well, I wish my family had done something like that. So I had some sort of an introduction to it, but they didn't. And so now if somebody's looking for that connection, you know, there's a lot of things out there. There's masterminds and there's meetups and there's stuff like that. The other thing I've found is once you start talking about wanting to do it, people come out of the woodwork. I mean, since we launched the podcast, people that I've worked with have shown up and I see all these people now who are doing commercial real estate, but nobody wants to talk about it. And I think sometimes in healthcare, there's almost this like, if you got a side hustle, you're not dedicated enough. So there's maybe a little bit of guts to talk about it. But I also found out that my sister-in-law had been wanting to invest in commercial real estate and had no idea where to start. So one of my colleagues had one small spot left in a strip center syndication. So I introduced the two of them and she invested in that deal. It's funny, once you start talking about it, maybe for people out there who are like, I don't know anybody, I don't have any family. There's probably somebody that you know, actually, that at least has an interest. You can go figure it out together. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think we've kind of experienced some of that too, just with the little we've shared on social media, because we haven't advertised too much of what we're doing publicly just with social media or anything, but people see stuff and they'll say, wait, what are you doing? How long have you been doing this? And then they have a bunch of questions. And like you said, it's just like, people aren't talking about it. They don't know. We weren't really talking about it either. So it is interesting. And yeah, I had a friend suggest that said, send out a newsletter. It's kind of like a nice little, like your holiday letter that a lot of people send update on my life and go, Hey, we're doing this cool new thing. If anybody wants to hear about it or even just slipping it into conversation and stuff, that's where my sister-in-law was like, what, what are you doing? But the more you talk about it, the more it gives people a chance to ask you about it, or you find the people who either want to follow along in your footsteps and may want to join in your deals, maybe at the same spot where you're at, or you find a mentor who goes, you know, hey, buddy, <laughs> you're doing some good stuff, but you're doing some bad stuff. Come here, let me straighten you out. Yeah. But I think it is important to talk about it. It's a cool thing. 
Yeah. I've also noticed going back to like a mentorship and stuff, like the more deals we do, the more people are willing to just help you for free. Like early on, like there's a lot of people that, oh, you have one single family rental. Like that's really nice. That's cute. Kind of like my parents. But now that we've actually kind of built up a portfolio and we're actually doing some stuff, there's a lot of other people that have offered free information that like is mind blowing. Like it's very extremely helpful. And we've done a decent amount, but we're still like really early in the game. We still need help. But at the same time, like the more we do, the more help we get from people that have done more than us. And it's been powerful, I guess. Everybody in the world who has access to me is blocked out right now for this conversation, except my wife. So of course, she's interrupting us. In the middle of whatever you do, you can only focus so much. There's always that push in from the side. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a certain amount of commitment that when you show you're committed, people are willing to help you along versus if it's something that they don't really feel like you're, oh, yeah, I, I want to do this. A lot of people say they want to do it, but not a lot of people start investing or they yeah. buy one thing they buy a duplex or they buy a house and they get bogged down in managing it and they're out. But once you've got multiple properties, you've kind of stepped over this barrier where it's probably, I wonder what the percentages are, like how many people who say they want to buy a rental property ever do, mm -hmm. what percentage after that do it once and then quit. But the number of people who buy multiple properties, you've put yourself in a small group. So now the people who want to share the love are like, Hey, all right, now we got somebody who's committed. You know, I'd like to help them out and maybe because we all love when you find something that you've been through a painful learning process and you see somebody else starting into it. Almost everybody loves to share their, let me give you a couple tips and maybe we can prevent some of the pain I went through. Yeah, for sure. I'm here looking at the notes we got. And so you, once you started your career in anesthesia, uh, Josh, you talk about how your investing in real estate actually increased the joy you got out of doing anesthesia. Definitely. Yeah. I was actually having a conversation with an ENT physician out of California and he's big into real estate and he's still a practicing physician, but he said like, the more money I made outside of my W2 or my job, the more enjoyment I had from it, because I guess it's just the freedom of having options. Like the fact that you don't have to work anymore and you don't have to go in every single day and you don't feel forced to do anything. You just inevitably enjoy what you're doing much more. And so that's kind of where that came from is the more things we're doing outside of anesthesia, I actually enjoy the time I have in anesthesia a little bit more. And it sparked from that conversation I was having with that guy from California. You find the same thing, Colin. I know, you know, since we're talking more to docs here, but it's not like being an ER nurse is an unstressful thing. Have you seen some of the same change to how you view going to work? Well, I'm not doing the ER nursing right now. So in that way, yeah, there's a big change. Complete freedom <laughs> from hospital. He's it's already not done. stressful at all. Yeah. No, and I mean, we had started this while I was still working and it's a different thing, I think, at the level, the nursing level, just in terms of dealing with management. And I mean, patient overload kind of hits everybody, but there were just certain things. It wasn't to do with like taking care of people or any of that kind of stuff, but more just management and just all that nonsense that I was just kind of getting tired of. And I think now, if I had an opportunity to go back on a like per diem or part time basis, I would do it and I would enjoy it. I don't know if it would be any more or less, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it's still something I really enjoy doing and I'm glad I did it and don't necessarily consider that to be completely closed chapter of my life, but 
I guess we'll see. To piggyback off what Colin said, like the the rules and the administration and all the stuff that we don't even think about. Like we get into nursing and we get into like hospital healthcare for other reasons. And we don't even realize that like politics and administration, like all these other things, we don't even consider those. And then we get there and we're like, oh, this is not great. Like I want to be able to just take care of my patient. I just want to provide the best care possible. But there's a lot of things that are preventing that. And so I see like a little push from inside like healthcare providers that are kind of leaving because of that. And the more options that we can have, it, yeah, it just goes back to enjoying it more when we're there because we can leave at any point. I've heard this several times from people, and often it is the admin. I know for me, that became one of the biggest things that drove me crazy. It's like this catch-22. You came into healthcare and became a healthcare provider for reasons for helping people. And you're like, you just want to do that. And then the catch-22 becomes that the more that there's administration doing the supposed other things, the more they're also making up rules. I mean, it feels like there's people who get paid by the rule, you know, yeah. like for, for, for every- And they're making a ton of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> every rule I make or every box I add to your workflow on the EHR, I get paid. I swear that it feels like that's how half the people working in or all the people in healthcare admin are out there just making up tasks. Like every time they make you do something, they get a little ching, a little commission. <laughs> We're probably not far off. Yeah. <laughs> and that, what they're supposed to be doing is taking all the stuff that has to be done off your plate so you could just take care of patients and that that becomes such a big part of the grind. Yeah. So, Josh, right now, are you working purely locums or, or are you working on some contract too? I have a contract for 26 weeks with one of the small critical access hospitals. And then I've been filling my time with some other stuff. The goal is in 2024 to not work any extra, just to be full-time. I say full-time. 26 weeks of real estate, 26 weeks of anesthesia. I feel like that would probably be my perfect balance. That way I can have a little bit of both worlds. But right now I have been picking up some extra shifts in a lot of the critical access hospitals all across Wisconsin. The nice thing there, it would seem like that if you get into a situation, so once you have a practice that you spend a lot of time setting up and getting running and managing... It's hard to just shift. And even if you're under contract or employed by a hospital and you have family, it's not like it's an easy thing to just shift and go across town. And a lot of the time they'll have non-competes where your dependence on that job decreases. It opens these doors. And if you do a 26-week contract, you know, 26 weeks is a pretty you know half year if you're working it all the time, or even if it's a year at a time, if you decide that their hassles are too much. It's really easy to go find another locum's job. And so you have that freedom there. And I think maybe if you know you have the freedom, it's less bothersome than if you feel stuck. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And it also opens up another set of doors, like working at, I think I'm credentialed, like eight different hospitals across Wisconsin. And most of them, if I needed a job, would probably hire me. So there's a lot of freedom and <laughs> freedom that I've been able to develop from just networking and like going different places. That's awesome. Have you found that in your travels in the healthcare world, do you meet anybody who has then dovetailed into your real estate? Um, so I just recently started being a lot more vocal about what we're doing. So I do wish I had started talking about it earlier because maybe I would have been able to develop a little bit more real estate relationships with healthcare providers. 
but I haven't yet, I guess. I haven't yet. Now you yeah. see the opportunity. I do. Yeah. Now I'm going to be talking about it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, this has been awesome at looking at the different freedoms that this allowed for you and some of the connections, maybe seeing how these things could be put back together, of finding a partner to share the journey with. So the joy of the whole process. So for our listeners out there, there's some great messages to take home here. And we're going to have both Colin and Josh back for the second half of this conversation. So please join us back again. And thank you for joining us today. This has been an episode of Surgeon Syndicate. If you found value in this episode, no other surgeons are hungry to become job optional. You can help them by sharing this content today. I also want to serve you better, so I want to offer you two things. Number one, I'll be able to give you the content in an even better way if you can take a moment and leave an honest review of the show explaining what you like and what you don't. And number two, if you are a surgeon and serious about this, you don't want to do this on your own because you don't want to make mistakes with your money. I'd be happy to help. Schedule a call. We can make a plan. Looking forward to having you with me on the next episode.